Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, hello. We're so late. I just, we just canceled the opening music because we were so embarrassed about our extremely late start. Sorry about that, everyone. I know you usually usually the da 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 little jingle. To be honest, not everyone approves of the jingle, so maybe we should just get rid of it altogether. But that was a bit of a hard start. It was like bam, and you in. So we'll we'll work on that. We'll just we'll just tinker about with it. Who knows? Anyway, um, we have a lot to talk about today, to say the least. So we're going to focus today uh, on the escalating scandal, which is now enveloping GB News. GB News, of course, is the Hard Right channel, which was launched back in 2021. Now, it's worth remembering back then some amusement because Andrew Neil, uh, many of you remember, he was a flagship interviewer uh, for the BBC. And uh, he helped launch, of course, GB News. And he promised for a long time, it's not going to be Fox News. It's not going to be Fox News. Uh, before, admittedly, I think partly riled by its technical incompetence, he fled. Um, now, it's interesting that he fled because as I would also know Andrew Neil is the chairman of the right-wing Spectator magazine, which has printed articles such as in praise of the Wehrmacht, articles praising Greek neo-Nazis, um, as well as articles arguing there's not enough Islamophobia in the Conservative Party. So as far as uh, Andrew Neil was concerned, chairing the Spectator, and I, we will, I am going to talk about the Spectator later because I don't want this just to be a focus on GB News, but the broader right-wing ecosystem and much, much else. Um, but it is notable um, what what some can stomach and and, and what others uh, and what and I guess what what one man can stomach and what on the other hand he can't. But in terms of GB News, so GB News is now enveloped in a major scandal, which is centering on Lawrence Fox, the hard right. I think that's putting it mildly provocateur and failed actor, um, and Dan Wooten, um, who is a shock jock presenter who's been embroiled. It should be said in a scandal of his own, which has gone largely unreported by most media outlets. Now, the scandal, which many of you will be aware of, centres on exceptionally out-and-out, just flagrant misogyny um, on the part of uh, Lawrence Fox with the the the, the accomplice, uh, you know, Dan Wilson as accomplice in, in, in that misogyny, directed at Ava Evans, who is herself an accomplished journalist, uh, who works at joe.co.uk, as well as having worked at LBC and other media organisations. Now, many of you, of course, will be aware of exactly what happened, but I am going to show the clip. And I, I, I show the clip having thought about whether we were going to do that, um, just because it is gruesome, vile misogyny. But Ava Evans has herself shared it, and obviously she was on the receiving end. And I think it is important that we record what happened uh, and that we talk about what happened, um, with with the facts, so we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna show this. Um, if you haven't seen it, it is it is misogyny, uh, outright misogyny, undisguised misogyny. Uh, so do bear that in mind. We're past the watershed, so I can say this. Um, show me a single self-respecting man that would like to climb into bed with that woman ever, ever. 
who wasn't an incel, who wasn't a cucked little incel. That little woman has been fed, spoon-fed oppression day after day after day after day, starting with the lie of the gender uh, uh, wage gap. And she sat there, and I'm going like, if I met you in a bar, and that was like sentence three, chances of me just walking away are just huge. We need powerful, strong, amazing women who make great points for themselves. We don't need these sort of feminist 4.0. They're pathetic and embarrassing. Who'd want to shag that? Oh, Lawrence. Well, look, she... Sorry, Sorry. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to provide a, a touch of balance from her because she did actually respond to this earlier today, saying that she regretted her comments, but she didn't apologise. Uh, yes, so, so, so there you go. <laughs> and she's a very beautiful woman, Lawrence. Very beautiful woman. There you go. Well, I'm probably not. I'm probably just cr- creeps. Complete and utter creeps. And note there what happened. It's important we're not gaslit by these people. It has become a strategy of this particular brand of the new right to gaslight people exactly about what happened, that you shouldn't trust your own lying eyes and your own lying um, ears. So what happened, for example, after this is uh, Lawrence Fox was suspended. Um, GB News has formally suspended Lawrence Fox announced the channel. While we continue our investigation into comments he made on the channel last night, Mr. Fox's suspension is effective immediately and he's been taken off air. We are apologising formally to Miss Evans today. What was there to investigate? You just see the clip. It's there. What was there to investigate? So the guy was just extremely misogynistic and the presenter laughed along with it. There we go. Case um, That's the investigation, isn't it? What, what do you need to... What context is needed? Anyway, um, what then happened um, is Dan Wooten... And we will talk about the scandal which has enveloped uh, Dan Wooten as well, which much of the media has ignored. Uh, but Dan Wooten then, uh, he did two supposed apologies. I want to reiterate my regret over last night's exchange. Having looked at the footage, I can see how inappropriate my reaction to his totally unacceptable remarks continues to be. Um, I was I, I want to make clear, I was in no way amused by the comments. I reacted as I did out of shock and surprise and off-guard moment while working out how to respond as he continued to speak by searching for tweets, Ava Santina, that's Ava Evans, had sent earlier in the day. However, I should have intervened immediately to challenge offensive and misogynistic remarks. I apologize unreservedly for what was a very unfortunate lapse in judgment on my part under the intense pressure of a bizarre exchange. I know I should have done better. I'm devastated that I let down the team and our supported GBN family. Um, he said he was going to talk about that on air. The problem is there is no honor amongst grifters. So what then happened is Dan uh, Wooten was thrown under a bus by Lawrence Fox, who then shared a conversation, a WhatsApp conversation or text conversation between Lawrence Fox and Dan Wooten. Um, Lawrence Fox uh, quote tweeted Dan Wooten's apology with honesty is the best apology, uh, best policy. Um, and it shows Lawrence Fox saying, making you giggle is my weekly joy. Two laughing emojis. Uh, Dan Wooten responds with three laughing emojis. You can imagine them freaking out in the gallery. Lots of exclamation marks. And then Lawrence Fox replying, so much fun. So clearly, Dan Wooten was lying. You don't need an investigation. You can see there or hear um, that Dan Wooten was indeed uh, lying. Dan Wooten was then suspended. GB News has suspended Dan Wooten following comments made in his program by uh, Lawrence Fox last night. This follows our decision earlier to formally suspend Mr. Fox being uh, conducting a full investigation. Lawrence Fox, on his rampage, I suppose, to... Uh, uh, bring others down with him. 
uh, also shared a text message from the producers, making it clear that he was going to say, what's more, it makes these women deeply unattractive. What man would ever want to be in a relationship with a woman unless they were a self-hating simp? Now, he wasn't using the same language he went on to use, but the misogynistic line of argument was very clear and obviously made clear to GB News before he went on air. Now, it's striking that GB News have acted because, as I've said, Dan Wharton has been at the centre himself of allegations, which he has strenuously denied, of misconduct of a sexual nature. Uh, Byline Times have done numerous articles. Um, by the way, I should stress that these are, it's not clear from these uh, allegations that this is about illegality, but it is about just because something might not be against the law doesn't mean clearly it's um, correct behaviour, to say the least. Uh, so it involves, for example, cash for sexual images, catfishing scandals. So that's look up these allegations if you have time. Dan Wooten, uh, these are allegations, as I said, and I should say, obviously, in the interest of fairness, he has denied these allegations. He has threatened to take legal action against them. There has been no legal action taken by Dan Wooten as things stand against Byland Times. GB News refused to investigate these allegations um, on the basis that they do not regard incidents which happen at GB News. Mail Online did announce they were investigating, and I believe Dan Wilton's column has not appeared on Mail Online, which has been his employer, and The Sun formally employed him, also conducting a investigation. But what's notable is GB News have just rode out the Dan Wilton storm, but what's happened in this particular incident is there has been such across-the-piece anger and fury that GB News clearly were panicking. I mean, they kept pinning at the top of their feed their various responses to this saga all day long. Anyway, that's the precy of what's happened, in case you haven't caught up. Um, if you're watching live, do you press like and subscribe. Do support us on patreon.com for slash to keep the show on the road. And also you can use super chats as people are doing, like David Barata here. Uh, these two Vartodes need to be driven off. What happens in the investigation into Wharton and will Ofcom do anything or more toothlessness as per. Very important point there, Ofcom supposedly the regulator. There are now 12, 12 live investigations by Ofcom um, into GB News, but various other, I'd say, pretty bad allegations of shoddy journalism being pretty euphemistic have been disregarded by Ofcom, who are generally speaking regarded to be a toothless organisation. Right, I'm now going to bring in the brilliant Dahlia Gabriel from <laughs> Navara Media, who many of you will know. How are you doing, Dahlia? Been lovely to see you. I'm good, Owen. I mean, it's not a great day to be a woman. I've got to be honest. It's not been a great. It's not been a great century to be a woman. No. Um, but today has been a particularly, particularly bad one. Get just on that. I mean, I just want to quickly just hear because Ava Evans has actually done a quick response. Um, well, she's done a lengthy response at Joe.co.uk, and just on that point. I just want to hear what she said and I want to hear your your own thoughts in response to it. This is actually nothing to do with me. No. This is this is this is a network problem. This is a presenter guest gallery production issue that is nothing to do with me. I just so happen to be the person they're talking about. Yeah. But I'm not in the conversation. I wasn't present for it. No. I didn't ask. I wasn't given a comment, right to reply, anything, it's not to do with me. And that's what makes me feel most sick about it. I'm just a commodity in this story. Yeah. I'm just I'm just a vehicle for content. And that's the that's the bit that makes me feel most sick. I mean earlier on on Jeremy Vine, she said that there was often this fear that many women had that this is how men spoke about them when they're not present. That they don't that men talk not about, you know, a woman's 
personality or accomplishments, but about literally whether they would have sex with them. I mean, and she said this was almost like a fear which had been borne out in what had happened. So just your thoughts, just as you say, from 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 the perspective you opened up with. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of two things here, right? There's two conversations at play and they're very related. Um, the first one is the question of the working conditions that women in the public eye, especially women who are in the public eye and speak about politics, um, the working conditions that they are subjected to and the things that are expected to be, that they are expected to just take on, take take off on like water off a duck's back um, as part of being in public life. You know, any woman who is involved in, in public media, who works in this industry, will have had comments like that directed to them. The difference here, of course, is that it was so public and it was done on a media platform. Um, but those kind of, you know, in any woman in public life, any if, if you look at her DMs, if you look at her email inbox, it will be full of men um, talking like that. Um, and then the other thing here, which is obviously related because what happens in the media landscape does trickle down and does shape what is deemed to be acceptable in society. But it's this broader phenomenon of sexual harassment, which I believe this constitutes, you know, sexual harassment, sexualized language, and even sexual violence being used to cut women down. Because let's not forget, that's what the overall goal of this segment was. That's what Lawrence Fox was brought on to do. He was brought on to, you know, take this woman journalist who he doesn't agree with, who goes against the kind of party line of GB News and humiliate her and cut her down. And it's, you know, a central part of patriarchy that sexual language, that sexual harassment is the vehicle through which that is done. You know, this is not a problem of desire or nature or sex. That's not what this is about. This is about an exercise of power. And that's ultimately um, what Lawrence Fox was exercising when he spoke like that. It's what Dan Wooten was exercising when he laughed along. It's what the producer was exercising when they saw that that was the direction that Lawrence Fox was planning to go in um, and let them go on, on TV anyway. Um, and so that's really what, what this is about, is it's about cutting down women in public life, but also this is a tool that is used, you know, throughout society. Any woman that you know will have a story of something like this happening to them, either in their professional life or in their personal life. I mean, I've worked in the TV for, you know, on, in the media for a long time. And I know from speaking to women who work in the media that, Going on TV, there's often a judgment that is made, which is, is it worth the misogynistic bile that I'm going to get in my social media feed? That there will be comments on my physical appearance, which will be calculated to be as distressing and traumatizing often as possible. And it strikes me as a, well, the women who speak to me about this, as an attempt to drive women out of public life when they say things which a certain type of man simply believe is beyond the pale for, be, because of particularly when they speak about issues which which challenge their masculinity what do you think about that yeah it's a disciplining mechanism and it works because now when when we speak up whether it and you know especially when we're speaking up on, in in 
public media, but even in everyday life, there's always that micro calculation that you're constantly making of what are the potential consequences of this and am I ready to absorb them? And that obviously influences your behavior. And that's something that I don't think everyone experiences. Um, You know, and I have my, you know, we all have our own stories of this, but I think it's really important. um, And what Ava did really well there was to highlight that this is a program issue. Um, You know, I remember once I was on, you know, years ago when before I knew any better, I was on talk radio, which isn't GB news, but it's kind of in a similar milieu to that kind of right wing um, 24 hour kind of commentary show. And, you know, I it was an hour long show and it was meant to be a kind of paper review style thing, just kind of running through various news stories. And I was told, you know, the classic kind of format for that is it would be me, it would be a right wing commentator who I was familiar with. Uh, and a presenter who is supposed to be a kind of neutral facilitating force in that. That's what the producer told me on the phone. I turn up and it's me, the right-wing commentator, a, a, a TV host who is very clearly from the very beginning in the way that he talks to me versus the way he talks to the right-wing commentator. Um, it's clearly it's clearly not intending in any way to be neutral Um, And an additional guest who was someone who had formerly run as a UKIP counsellor. So first of all, you know, the whole kind of setup was not what I agreed to in in the beginning. And I go in and the setup was it was an hour and it was filmed. It was going to be broadcast on radio, but also streamed through YouTube and Facebook. And the format was essentially we have this free flowing conversation and commenters send in their comments and questions throughout And, you know, this whole time, these three presenters are, these three men are telling me to calm down, love, are being very patronizing, are talking over me, are laughing every time I speak. Um, And when they went to, you know, it was so bad that for the the own, it was the closest I'd ever come to actually walking off in the middle of a broadcast. Mm. Um, But in, you know, towards the end, they sort of said, well, let's go to some comments and you know, they turned to their producer and the producer said, while laughing, I actually can't read any of these out because they're so misogynistic and racist. And obviously, given that this was three white men and me, we can guess who was the subject of those comments. And at the end, I lodged this formal complaint and I said, you know, I'm at work right now and I really should be able to go to work and I can expect people to disagree with me because of the nature of my job, but I don't expect to be dehumanized and demeaned um, Mm. in that way and humiliated. Um, And I got all these apologies about, you know, oh, we're going to be more careful about what what we read out, you know, we're sorry that our, and they tried to really pin it on the audience. And I responded to say the entire setup and framework both within that segment, but also in your show as a whole, was established in order to then have me slot in as someone to not be taken seriously, as someone to be cut down, as someone to be laughed at, both because of my politics, but also because I'm a woman and I'm a person of colour. And so really, you can't then come in and blame the audience from following your lead. You need to reflect on your editorial and production processes that basically gave a carte blanche to your audience to engage in this way. So as much as I was upset to hear that the audience were essentially racially and, you know, sexually saying racist and, and, you know, misogynistic abuse in the comments, 
ultimately it lands in the hands of these channels that curate this kind of that normalize talking about women and racial minorities in this very dehumanizing and demeaning way. And, you know, this is why I'm not going to be quick to applaud GB News for um, for for suspending Lawrence Fox. And I believe they've also suspended Dan Wooten. I think I've just seen a tweet from them. I'm not going to be so quick because it is the norm, you know, especially when we're talking about trans women, that it is their norm to talk about women in dehumanizing ways. You know, they do it about trans, they do it with trans women on an almost daily basis. So you can't then say, then be surprised and act like Lawrence Fox has behaved unpredictably when this is the culture that you have created. And this is a problem, not just in these right-wing news channels like GB News. It's also a really big problem in tabloid media, which I think is, is, you know, one of the most consistently malevolent misogynistic forces in society. Do you think on that there's a danger that when we see the condemnation against GB News, which is really across the board, that you get, for example, journalists from The Sun or The Daily Mail who are denouncing, kind of absolutely shocked at this awful display of wanton misogyny and also other GB News presenters, And it shifts the Overton window in that you get basically tabloids which are themselves soaked in misogyny, which can go, well, look, that's misogyny. We're not as extreme as that, are we? And it's a way of kind of, you know, deflecting from their own misogyny, their own coverage of women and their own treatment of of women in the media. Yeah. And I mean, they're always going to try and do that. And I think it's really important for us to make sure that they they don't get away with that. And I think it's especially important for us to to make sure that we protect all women from this kind of conversation. You know, black women, trans women who are subject to this all constantly, that we protect them equally and we we name it when it's happening to them as well. Um, But I think, you know, what we are seeing here is, you know, we had the Me Too movement, which was all about kind of a, a reckoning with how sexual violence and sexual harassment is used to exert and, you know, ex- establish power in a variety of institutions, whether it's the media industry, the entertainment industry, uh, religious institutions. You know, we had this movement and it, it felt like so much had changed. And then we had this backlash and the rise of you know, commentators like Andrew, like, and I mean, Lawrence Fox, you know who the other one I'm talking about, but, um, you know, and the rise of these things like GB News, the war on woke is a backlash to the gains that are being made. And so it's a struggle um, and we're engaging in that. But the fact that there even is a backlash is a sign that something is being dislodged and something is being threatened. I mean, what do you think, you know, GB News has said, we're the home of free speech, we're free speech absolutists. And yet even they have had to place a limit on what is regarded as acceptable speech. What do you think that says about the whole so-called right-wing take on free speech, which is obviously their big mantra? Yeah, I mean, it goes to show what we always know, what we always knew, which is that there are always limitations. When you have a platform, whether it's a media platform or a social media platform, there are always going to be limitations on what is considered acceptable speech. You know, if you had a social media platform where absolutely anything could go anytime, there would be no one on it. People wouldn't want to be on it. Um, The same with media outlets. You know, there are editorial practices. The question is, what are your limitations? And so what we can see by the fact that GB News have um, 
dis- suspended Lawrence Fox and Dan Wooten is that they do have limitations and that this wasn't just about some kind of sacrosanct belief in free speech as an abstract concept, but it was about essentially, you know, we go back to that Overton window. It's about trying to wrench open that Overton window when it comes to the range of racist and sexist and transphobic things that are acceptable to say. Um, because as I said, you know, there have been movements throughout, you know, since the 60s to try and fight for the rights of marginalized people. And those movements have made gains. And so the way of trying to counter that is to create this guise of freedom of speech, which which isn't about genuine freedom of speech, which is about state prosecution, but is actually about trying to say, we want to create a space where things that, and, and opinions and views that have been considered offensive by society can be freely expressed because we actually want to normalize those opinions again and that that's been the raison d'etre and you know that I think that I have no reason to believe that they're not going to continue to do that. Just in terms of GB News and kind of something which is flung around a lot a horseshoe theory which is that GB News is sometimes by maybe a certain type of centrist is is denounced as 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 being an attack on um, on credible journalism, and you know, it's a de- you know maybe they would they would maybe have a critique parts of which we would agree with, but then they'll equate it to the left, for example, people like myself or Navarra Media, which you work for. I mean, recently a, a a prominent journalist. I don't think I mean you know I don't want to be unfair. I wouldn't name him, but he he you know he he talked about um, conservatives going on GB News and getting an easy ride. And then a left-wing party could do the same with Navarra. And I kind of thought, which left-wing, which left-wing party are you talking about there? Then, uh, I mean, that, that itself was preposterous. But there was an attempt there to sort of say, on the one hand, GB News; on the other hand, uh, Navarra. What, what do you think about that? That attempt to put them on, you know, have some sort of equation between the two. Yeah, I mean, it's completely nonsensical because ultimately, GB News represents a section of the ruling class. And you can see that it wouldn't be bankrolled by billionaires if it wasn't. It wouldn't have, you know, sitting MPs hosting shows if it wasn't representing the the interests of at least a section of the already powerful. Um, You know, it wouldn't have people who have been plucked from establishment media from the BBC, from Sky, you know, at every level, at all kinds of levels of its production, from its hosting to its, its, you know, its producers, if it wasn't at least representing part of the ruling class and the ruling class ideology. Whereas you look at like a Navarra media or like your show, Owen, and it's like, we are entirely self-organized. We do not have that kind of bankrolling. You know, Navarra is supported by, I know exactly, is supported by, by, you know, our, our viewers. It's a completely, and that's because we are actually trying to challenge material power. We're not trying to challenge this imagined power that, you know, GB News is endowing, you know, racialized people, migrants, trans people, and pretending that they have this huge amount of like social power. That's not true. We are actually going after genuine power, not imagined power. And so you just cannot compare the two. I'm I'm interested as well with GB News in terms of what's happening to the British rights, because it strikes me that it's going through a similar process to what's happening in the US, actually parts of Europe, which is whatever you think the centre-right was. I don't know if somehow I have rosy-eyed views of the centre-right um, in, in the past, which has always been dripped in racism and bigotry and of, of, of various descriptions. 
that there was this sense of there was a boundary between what was regarded as the centre right and what lives beyond it, for example. Mm. And what's happened in the last few years is that has eroded uh, to the point of collapse. I mean, if you look at the grand the, the Republican Party, um, it has essentially been taken over by a, by by a far right movement, and you can also see that happening to a degree in 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 various parts of Europe. I mean, Hungary is a striking example. Fidesz, the ruling party, used to be um, part of the Liberal International and used to be a supposedly centre right party. It now runs um, a far right semi dictatorship. Um, and you know, if you look at what Sorella, how Sorella Braverman's positioning itself at the moment, I mentioned the Spectator and the sort which is a which prints like great replacement theory for those who don't know what that is. It's a conspiracy theory which posits the idea that so-called indigenous Europeans are being um, replaced by those from different countries with the complicity um, and connivance of of various elites. It's promoted that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, Labour and Conservative MPs attended summer parties, so it's regarded as a respectable magazine. But if you look, for example, polling of Conservative members in 2020 found uh, that uh, they, they were half of them said having a wide variety of backgrounds and cultures has undermined British culture. We heard Sorella Braverman's onslaught attack on, on, on multiculturalism going on about how, you know, the number of children born to foreign born mothers... I mean, it's it, GB News is playing a role, I would say, in radicalizing the right. I mean, there is an, an mm. oh, I, it will play a pivotal role, I think, in who becomes the next conservative uh, leader. There's a big overlap between the Tory membership and GB News viewers. What do you think? I mean, there is there is a phenomenon yeah. here, which is you know this kind of crude as well. It's very crude, vulgar, um, reactionary, bigotry, and racism. Uh, but it is reshaping the right in quite a fundamental way, I would say. A hundred percent. And I mean, the the right, you know, the far right made a very savvy call in both the in both Britain and in the US, which is that we're not going to bother trying to get our people elected in the sense that we're not going to bother trying to, you know, create a new party and get that party elected. We're not going to try and create this extra, um, you know, in this in this context, parliamentary party or in the US, you know, outside of the Republicans and the Democrats, we're going to work on dragging the existing population, the existing parties towards our politics. And obviously, you know, you have like a UKIP, which was a political party, never won any elections in Britain, it obviously won, you know, European elections, but um, European Parliament elections, but it was able to essentially be one of the most transformative forces in British politics of this century, for sure. Um, and a big way that they did that was through media, particularly in the US, um, you know, Fox News. And this is what the model of power building that I think GB News is building is, is, is modeling itself on, um, whereby Fox News is, has, you know, I think you can uncontroversially say has determined the outcome of general elections in the US. Um, and Fox News didn't build that power overnight. It built it over many, many, many years. And so there is this question of, okay, at the moment, GB News is, you know, seen as fringe or is seen as kind of a joke, but it it's not it's not long before they kind of build that sort of that sort of power. And I think that that kind of that that is a very definite um, a very definite shift. Uh, we are seeing, you know, things and talking points that were said in like 2007 by Nick Griffin, um, you know, the, the leader of the BMP, uh, is now actually like government policy. 
Um, I don't even think that he in his wildest dreams could have believed that that would have happened. And so I think media has been a really crucial part of that. I think here you can argue that like tabloid media has kind of played that role and GB News is kind of trying to bring that into the broadcast um, realm. But absolutely, I do think that there, that there is a shift. And I think that that, that sort of, yeah, that, that you can't say that that's really been mirrored in the left in any way. Just a couple of other things. There's, there's a comment here, which the sort of comment I would never normally read out, but it's actually in, unintentionally made an excellent point. Uh, this is from someone who called themselves Peter the Irish Guy, who tweeted, uh, so he left in the comments, fourth wave feminists hate men, turf pride. And I think that's quite an interesting, by accident, contribution. Oh, yeah. Because, and this comes partly to something you were talking about earlier, because Lawrence Fox is someone who just speaks in the most misogynistic, overtly misogynistic way, um, about cis women, and is also someone who speaks in a really horrendous way about trans people. He's burnt the Progress Pride flag uh, and denounced um, the trans rights movement in the most hideous and poisonous way, ways I'm not going to repeat. But it is just striking, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, in America, you can see how LGBTQ rights and women's rights, not discrete categories, r fall together. We can see the anti-LGBTQ, anti-bathroom bills, uh, we can see the don't say gay legislation and we can see the attack on reproductive rights. Uh, in places like Ireland, we saw how they rose together, abortion rights, trans rights, uh, equal marriage came in the same period. In Spain recently, action against violence against male violence against women and girls, uh, rights for lesbians and rights for trans people. And, and it, as you can just see in, in Lawrence Fox, because this is idea, obviously the attack on the support for trans rights is misogyny, but Lawrence Fox is someone who combines mm. misogyny towards cis women and transphobia. And I have to say, I've been looking at gender critical accounts all day and they've not been talking about this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Yeah, that is super. In yeah, that is super interesting that they've not been talking about this. I mean, I think that this is a very, there is something very British about this, and I, it, it's there's something British about it, but also something that is very generic about it, which is that from the inception, you know, I am a feminist, but from, but I also can reckon with the fact that from the inception of feminist as an feminism as an ideology has been a power struggle within feminism about between women who want to maintain the fundamental structure of society that concentrates power and resources into the hands of a few people, but just wants to 
make that the the people who have power 50-50 women and men and those of us who believe that feminism is a tool to actually undermine power as a whole rather than trying to just have women holding patriarchal forms of power you know you can look at like the suffragettes and the suffragettes were you know virulently um opposed to decolonization they were you know like a very you know you look in the US Margaret Singer was essentially a eugenicist like there is this kind of tradition within feminism of gatekeeping and conserving the meager gains that you know a women's movement that is made up of all kinds of women have achieved and I see sort of transphobia in feminism within that tradition and it's about gatekeeping resources and wins um into the hands of a very small number of women who fit into this very narrow idea of what it means to be a woman that is not only cis, but is typically classed, that is very racialized, um, and, you know, are trying to hoard resources and power to that particular group of, of people. And, you know, that's always been something that we have had to reckon with within this movement. I mean, just finally on that, do you see any hope in this sort of obviously gruesome, uh, latest gruesome episode in terms of galvanizing, um, I suppose, you know, women within the media and in broader society against this sort of unashamed, unapologetic misogyny in a way that's intersectional. I mean, do, do you see that? Do you see that mm-hmm. happening? Where do you, I mean, because partly, I suppose there has been this derailing because the focus has just so much been on on the existence of trans people. And that's that's particularly even in the liberal well, often, especially in the liberal press, um, derailed that conversation, I suppose. Mm. Look, I think that certainly there, there has been a shift in the, the the language with which we can speak about these things has, I mean, you know, it's not the first time we've been able to speak about violence against women, about sexual violence against women, but the language has become more normalised and that is certainly really good. Um, but I still do think that until we tackle the problem of power and the fact that within media institutions, within educational institutions, religious institutions, political institutions, we still operate society on a very strict hierarchical basis. And as so long as you have that, power will protect itself and sexual violence is and sexual harassment is going to be one of the tools it uses. You know, and I think let's thinking about the Russell Brand thing, you know, that I think that that was a perfect example of of the point that I'm trying to make, because, you know, Russell Brand was given the protection of the establishment for years, because he was at the the centre of power um, in British comedy. And it was when he left, and, you know, there's a bit of a chicken and egg thing of like, you know, did work dry up because people weren't willing to work with him? Or did he just leave because he wanted to make it big in the US or do something else? But ultimately, it wasn't until he left and was no longer entrenched in that power system and was no no longer represented, powers no longer had that protection, that the space was created for things that women had been saying for years could actually materialize into something like that documentary. So I can't consider it a victory won until the Russell brands that are Russell brands today um, are held accountable and 
it is made clear to them that that behavior is not acceptable. But so long as you have systems where there's very hierarchical power and where people's money and material power is tied to that, you will, it's still extremely difficult to actually get restitution and to get justice in those, in those contexts. Talia, a tour de force, as we would have expected. <laughs> Honestly, really, really appreciate it. We covered so much ground then. I can't really thank you enough. Obviously, it's short <laughs> as ever. Um, and obviously, I'm sure you all know who Dahlia is, but obviously do follow her on Twitter. And also, I'm sure you all, most of you, watch Navarra. And obviously, we will finish <laughs> on time to make sure that we're not, overlapping we have do this at five o'clock for that very good reason but <laughs> cheers Dali, so much honestly and lots of love and i will see you i'm sure in person soon but thank you so much see you soon bye. lots of love see you in a bit mate brilliant stuff is ever from Dalia. and um so we are we've been running a bit late which is extremely rude so what i'm going to do now and this is something which is very very important which we've not talked about properly and i'm going to be i've got some other things to talk about at the end, so do bear with me as well, because I want to talk a little bit more about Suella Braverman. But as you may be aware, there has been a five-month strike by the Writers Guild of America um, in the United States, Hollywood writers. It's obviously been this big, big industrial struggle. Um, and we're actually very, very delighted to have to be joined by Alice Nutter. Alice Nutter is a UK-based member of the Writers Guild of America and has worked, uh, for example, with the recent series The Full Monty, along with Simon Beaufoy. Pickett did its premiere like a good old comrade, um, as part of the as part of the strike, um, and so we've the strike has just ended, hasn't it? It ends, or it ends. It ended at midnight Pacific time. Is that right? Well, it's it's ended uh, in that you can go back to work, but the deal needs to be ratified. Got you. Yes. By the by the union by the WGA. And they're going to send out ballots to the 11,000-odd union members, of which I'm one. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to ratify it because it's a bloody great deal. Wow. So this is a really, really um, – um, this is why I wanted to talk to you. Well, I wanted to talk to you because I was interested in it. But I'm also interested in it as an example of successful industrial collective action. Well, so, I, before we talk about that, I was joyous this morning when I read through what we got because I'm old. And I've been involved in left politics since I was young. I, you know, Falklands, miners' strike. I'm used to losing. And I woke up this morning and I read through this list and I knew we'd won. And we'd not just won. We'd done it with solidarity with SAG-AFRA, which is the, uh, the, the actors, which will hopefully they'll, they'll win next. Teamsters supported us. But we'd won great terms against huge companies who when i when i looked what they'd said in may refused to even talk to us refused to negotiate in any way in fact what they actually said behind closed doors is we're going to hold out till october because writers will be losing their houses then and we'll win yeah they're trying to starve you out basically yeah well it's yeah. october and we won this is by the way and I'm, I'm, i hope people are just really processing this because as Alice notes, we do have a, a history of, of, of many defeats, but that we have had victories here um, and in other countries, including the United States, of course. Uh, so, but this is a really, really powerful example um, of a victory. So, Alice, could you just set out exactly what, what triggered the strike? Um, well, every three years or so, the WGA renegotiates the deal with, with companies. And... Uh, 
and we knew that it was going to be problematic this time because the streamers have changed the landscape and the streamers do, have done things like not say how many people are watching okay. which means when something's really popular writers don't get compensated because they don't have to say how many people's watching and you know how much money they're making out of it and so it was up to WGA, which are an absolutely brilliant union. I mean, you get healthcare and all sorts. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I mean, I'm in the NHS. But, you know, you, the things that you get are real solidarity things. They're a really strong union. And we knew it was going to be difficult because we had to go against the streamers. Not And, and this is like Apple and Google, you know, against basically the giants because they're the ones who wanted to determine the labor conditions they wanted all the profits and not really compensating the people that they whose labor starts it all so we knew it were going to be problematic what we didn't realize is and when i say we i wasn't on the negotiating committee i'm just a union member but when the negotiating committee went in to talk to them they were so arrogant and pig-headed they said things like, so the WJ proposed something like on, um, say, say on AI, which was going to be problematic because it would devalue labour and the writers would be expected to do it cheap. You know, it meant to tidy up whatever they they produced. The, the company just wrote, refusing to consult will give you a meeting once a year. I mean, what does that mean? They'll give you a meeting once a year to say shut up and listen. Um, on residuals, they refuse just just refuse to consult. And on another point, they actually said, "We'll give you a meeting to explain how the system works." Mm -hmm. I mean, really, sort of arrogant, ridiculous stuff. They said that was the only deal they were offering, and there'd be no changes. And yet 11, a union with 11,000 people went against Apple, went against Disney, went against Google and won. And for me, that's really significant because it says something about solidarity. I mean, I also think it's something to do with bad in economics and the way that unions, they, the, the way basically America's had to include the left yeah. instead of what we've got here which is um, pretending they were going to include us and then stamping on us and making us stand in a corner. Yeah, well, standing in the corner, I think that's putting it a bit generously, Alice, to be honest yeah, with you. I know, but, yeah, I know. But, but you're right. I mean, look, I mean, you know, Joe Biden, who, look, I'm not a Biden, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm no Bidenite. Yeah. Um, Joe Biden, you know, he was a president who attended the um, UAW, uh, United Automobile Workers of America, uh, picket line yesterday. If you were on Keir Starmer's front bench, you tried that, you'd be sacked. Exactly. I mean, I'm not a Biden that either, but what I do recognise is that he's realised he's got to listen to that section of the left. Whereas what we've got here is not only are we not going to listen to you, we're going to criminalise you. So, uh, so when I read the, the terms this morning, which is a really brilliant deal, more money, more rights, uh, rights on residuals, so we'll get the data from these companies. We'll know how many people are watching and they'll have to compensate us. Everything that we wanted on AI, because uh, it turned out, actually, companies are scared of AI as well because they're scared of infringing somebody else's copyright and being sued. It was more complicated than, than we thought it when we went in. 
health benefits for people who are on uh, writing teams and who are lower wage. I mean, across the board, really great terms on things that 148 days ago, the streamers and the company said, not only are you not going to get this, we're not talking to you about it, just accept it. We won the lot. David Bratter will ask it. And by the way, I do want to, you probably hate people saying this, but for those who haven't, I think a couple of people did. Obviously, Alice was in Chumba Wonder, which I was a big fan of and listened to for many, many years as a teenager. But just just sort of throw in just what a talented person Alice is. In, in I'm not particularly talented. I'm good in groups. Well, come on. Come on, I'm, Alice. No, I'm a group player. Well, okay, that's a, that's a that's a good socialist perspective. Yeah. Uh, good to always place yourself in the in in the collective. Um, David Bauer to ask uh, what what um, impact will this have on the uh, Screen Actors Guild um, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists strike? Because as people will be aware, there was uh, there were two parallel strikes taking place in Hollywood. So what what's your do you have any? Do you have any yeah, thoughts? yeah. Well, I think that one of the big bugbears on the SAG-AFTRA strike was AI because. The companies do want to use AI on actors because they only have to record that image once. They don't have to pay them again, and they can turn them into a thousand people. Yeah, they can just keep using it, and obviously that's going to affect a lot of people's income, and it's going to cut down on an awful lot of a lot of things. So I think they're going to win it especially because they're going to have support. That SAG AFRA came on the picket lines before they went out on strike. They're going to continue to get supported by the WGA. So the big ones on SAG-AFRA were um, AI, because that would really have far-reaching consequences. If you can reproduce an image or if you can, you know, get a famous actor's face, get Brad Pitt, have him say anything you want. I'm sure Brad Pitt can sue him, but most of us can't afford it. It's it's cheaper for them. The, I, I think the companies are going to have to back down on that. But the other thing that um, SAG-AFTRA are after is parity for actors who are in video games because they get paid crap. Yeah. I mean, um, I, many of my friends are actors who, who actually do work in video games, and yeah, I can testify to that. Yeah, they get paid crap. But actually, it's quite a lucrative industry. Very much so, yeah. It's not to do with how much these things earned. It's to do with what the companies can get away with. So, so finally, I mean, what you know, what what you all did is gonna win. We're gonna win, I think. It's Which a deal for winning. I mean, I was listening to the to you talking before, and I, you know, generally you're just dodging shit. And I woke up this morning, and it was like hallelujah. I've got something to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I mean, I'm very grateful to. to to, to, to all of you, not not just because of the victory, but just because having to spend so much of my life having to just talk about wading through shit. It's, yeah. always, it's always good to talk about actual victories, which are causes for celebration. And, this and optimism the- breeds optimism. And here we've got to a point where it's really difficult, despite social media, it's really difficult to link up in a physical physical place with other people and fight for the same things. Absolutely. And an example that not only can you do it, but you can win. And crucially, what happens is this will protect the rights of future writers by yeah. many people here, maybe later later on in their careers, risking their income. Um, and what they've done is they've 
they, you know, they were people were, and that is worth pointing out what you're saying. Yeah, there. well, it, it really risking your homes. People were risking their homes partly. They were, yeah, exactly. They were risking their homes, and the companies wanted to take their homes to win. And the other thing is, a lot of these writers are fully aware that what they're doing is for the future of other writers. There's uh, there's lots of sub clauses built in about how many people they have to have in writers' rooms what the minimum wage is, how to improve that minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And and the thing on the size of the writer's room is to let new writers in and to get them the professional training. We don't have anything like that here. We don't have anybody fighting for new writers. We've got this industry that is really thriving, but in order to get into it, you have to be a trust fund baby. Because until, you know... The industry is like lemons. Until you start working, nobody will take a chance on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the WGA is trying to change that. They're trying to give people a foot in the door, trying to, to make sure that writers' rooms are big enough that even if you're not writing a show, you give ideas and you are paid to be there. And and the idea as well is that the assistant staff get more money. This, this is a really – it's not about money for the writers, for the top writers, this. This is about the profession. Absolutely. And and I have to say, and this is just another example, I mean, you've said, obviously, we, we, we can always point to past defeats, yeah. but I do think on both sides of the Atlantic that the Labour movement is resurgent, yeah. um, and these sorts of victories will encourage, and well, they provide confidence, as you say, and they will encourage other workers and hopefully, for example, as we see just with the with the with the actors' strike, that this will encourage others, and that's you know we, it's so important we amplify victories. And, yeah, much and, we and, it, and there's a cost for this. Honestly, people did not earn any money for five months. Which is horrendous. Can you imagine you know, that people listening? Yeah, nothing. And if you like, I'm here. I can. I went into development work for companies that aren't a signature most of the americans can't do that i couldn't work for disney we did the full monty for disney we couldn't talk to disney we couldn't promote the show which brought my heart to be honest because i'm sure everybody thought it was just a reboot we tried to make a show that nailed austerity and i could never say that out loud because i weren't allowed to talk because it would have brought the strike Sacrifice. This is the thing. I mean, this is people forget in these sorts of well, sometimes, but not everyone forgets. But I mean, they do often involve a huge amounts of struggle and sacrifice. And and that is the way we've won our rights and freedoms throughout our history. Yeah. I don't I don't think my right not to do press is the same as nobody get paid, nobody getting paid for five months. I fully recognize losing your house yeah, is a lot worse than someone misunderstanding what you've done. Alice, I can just—I've just been reading the comments. People are exceptionally grateful for you uh, to very so clearly and eloquently ex explain exactly what's happened, why this is such an important victory. It is important that we speak about these sorts of victories, and hopefully, we'll be able to speak about many more victories in the months and years ahead. Yeah, but, I didn't mean uh, to sound depressing with the no we victory. We won the poll tax just a long time ago. Yeah, we won that one, and and yeah. workers that they're up, they're happy. No, we win things all the time. We do. We, we do. have small victories and solidarity and these things but just to win something on a grand scale it's just great well here's to more victories here's the screenwriters who so incredibly won this particular victory when it was thought and i've, I've got a friend over in um la he's been working on a 
brilliant show. It sounds like I'm name dropping now. It's just people, just people I meet here in various queer circles in London um, who I need to message because I've realised I've not messaged them to congratulate them on the victory. But honestly, Alice, I really appreciate you joining us and thank you for providing us with some very, very inspiring and, and, and heartwarming news of, of workers fighting and winning. So thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Take care, Alice. Lots of love and uh, thank thanks you. for all your brilliant work over the years. Thank Take you. In a bit. Bye. Oh, brilliant stuff. And uh, it's always a pleasure, uh, just for me, when I, <laughs> it's funny as I've, because I've now been, what, working in the media for about 11 years and or longer. Oh my God. I'm a geriatric millennial. Um, and it's just funny how um, people who were, and I'm not saying, it's, you know, obviously make, make people feel they've been around for so long, but people are part of my teenage years and I get to talk to them one by one gradually as I get older. Um, and Alice is one of them. Um, just, uh, before we finish, I, I do want to talk about a couple of other things. I'm gonna, I don't want to overrun too much in terms of Navarra's time. It's basically given I had one of Navarra's own uh, brilliant people. And then to just, um, I mean, many of you will probably tune over to Navarra, but let me just go through these quickly. Uh, some super chats. If men are angry, at the, this is for Mr. 27. If men are angry at the world, they need to realize they need to provide value to the world before expecting anything in return. Do not take rejection personally. Misogyny will only make things worse. One of the things I've always been interested in, that was a really interesting point, thanks, Mr. Tracen, um, is um, just how homophobia is used to discipline straight men. Because I did this piece a long time ago about um, how most straight men have experienced some form of homophobia themselves in their lives. And people, some people read the headline and were like, what are you doing, Owen? Why are you trying to make straight people the victims of homophobia? The, the, the point I was making is obviously it's not existential the way it is for queer people. Um, but homophobia should be best understood as, as um, gender policing. That those who are deemed, in the case of men, to deviate from the rigid boundaries of, ma of or the, the, the supposed boundaries of masculinity um, are um, homophobia is, is the violent border guard. And um, so lots of straight men, I'm sure, while they're watching or listening, will have remembered for maybe early in their lives or not, if they weren't getting into enough fights, if they weren't talking about women in a degrading way, which is obviously crucial to that particular this particular discussion. Maybe if they weren't athletic. I mean, I, I you know, I, various people got in touch. People had like long hair or wore makeup, but were straight, and they got homophobically abused. I had some examples of straight men who were violently beaten up, gay bashed, even though they were straight. You know, and that is still a homophobic attack. If you're a straight man and you are homophobically abused and attacked, that's still homophobia. But the point is it's used to, I mean, for example, the biggest killer of men under 45 is suicide. Um, and one of the reasons for that is men are less likely to talk about their feelings because it seems unmanly or even a bit gay, isn't it? Why Stop being such a puff, stop being so queer. People will remember those sorts of expressions used against them. Um, and I just think it's important to understand just from an earlier age how various that that particular brand of masculinity how it is constructed and it is constructed and how it's policed often very violently um and i do think that's very much part of it which is why the struggle for example against homophobia because i see homophobia as is the um as is an offspring of misogyny if you get rid of misogyny then homophobia would be dead because the whole point of homophobia is it's targeting those who are seen to have deviated from masculinity in the most egregious way possible that you have become like a woman and, you know, you have betrayed manhood in the ultimate way by being attracted to other men and having sex with other men. Um, and I just think that's a really interesting way about how um, masculinity is policed. Um, so, yes, I just want to talk about that. I want to talk quickly about Suella Braverman. I know we're um, 
overrunning. Um, but we had a lot to talk about. I mean, we had two brilliant guests. Um, I just want to bring, I'm sorry, I'm going to put Suella Braverman on. I should apologize. I should, I've got to stop playing Suella Braverman clips. I just want to pop this on though, because I'm actually just angry about it. Well, what we see operationally is that people do game the system. They come to the UK, they purport to be homosexual in the effort to game our system, in the effort to get special treatment. That's not fair and it's not right. I'm afraid we do see many instances where people purport to be gay when they're not actually gay, but in order to get special treatment. It's not the way our asylum system should work. Now that, as you can hear, that's from Robert Peston's show. So I think it's being broadcast um, later today, but that was a clip that they put on. Um, um, the government's own figures show that 1.5% of asylum applications last year were those claiming who where sexual orientation formed part of the basis of their claim. 1.5%. 1.5%. So, I mean, that, I would say, is below what, if, if you actually had a representative sample of the world's population, then there's more than 1.5% of us. And in a third of the world, to be... LGBTQ is to be a criminal. You're criminalized. And indeed, um, including up to and facing execution, including with laws which were imposed by the British Empire, I would note, in parts of Africa, formerly in India. It's only recently that the British colonial law banning um, uh, homosexuality was, was repealed. I wrote an article back in 2018, um, and it was about, uh, I interviewed and LGBTQ refugees who were locked up in detention centres. And before that, by the way, when Theresa May was Home Secretary, they made these refugees video themselves having sex with their partners to prove that they were gay. That's what we're talking about. Here's an example. Rosemary, a lesbian. My neighbours will put a tyre on my neck and set it on fire. And that's what she fears will happen if she's deported to Nigeria. She fled her homeland nearly a decade before that when her husband found a sexuality threat to kill her. Um, None of that satisfied the Home Office. Uh, they asked if she was gay, uh, why did she get married? I just And have children. Now, she's been a years-long active member of Leicester's LGBT community. It reminds me, I, just, I remember watching Extras. Uh, that was like Ricky Gervais' programme. They were talking about Oscar Wilde. And then one of the characters was like, but Oscar Wilde can't be gay. He's got, he's got, he had three kids and he was married. And he says, I've got to stop hanging out with you. Um... Rose, so that's one example, Rosemary there. Um, Larry fled Lagos in Nigeria in 2014, realised he was gay when he was 14, but like many gay Nigerians, had to stay firmly in the closet for his own safety. He married a woman in 1999. Now, throughout history, I should just let people know, as people probably are aware, lots of gay people did, did get married, obviously, because to be gay would be to live a life where you're either persecuted or just um, by the law or by society or both. Um, his his wife found him with another man, raised the alarm. Local people invaded the flat. Police officers then beat him and forced him to pay money to avoid arrest. When he was attacked again, he fled the country fearing his life was in danger. He was detained by immigration officers here in Britain, imprisoned in three detention centres and given a deport deportation order backdated by several weeks, meaning his appeal time had already lapsed. He fell into mental crisis um, and was rushed to hospital when he slammed his head repeatedly against a cell wall and will be subjected to persecution back home um, and I fear for his, my life. He notes his involvement with British LGBT organisations all over the internet. I'm just giving you some examples. You know, what we're talking about here is it's the exact opposite of what Suella Braverman 
is claiming, and it's very clear what's happening now, the anti-trans backlash, as if it was going to stop there. As if it was going to stop there. What were people thinking? We can already see that the number of people in the British Social Attitude Survey who say they're prejudiced against trans people has trebled in the space of three years. It's not good. Let's be honest. At the moment, we're losing that. We're losing that battle. Just be very clear. What happened in the 80s, if you look at the British Social Attitudes Survey, attitudes towards same-sex relations got a lot worse in the 1980s before they got better. They got they It, it went from 1983, 1987, uh, four years later, it, was, it got worse. In 90, it, it, the, the levels in 1983 were bad enough and they only got back to those levels in 1993. Um, and the same things happened, obviously, with trans people. But that was never going to stop there. They've banned um, efforts to, ba um, uh, to scrap conversion therapy. And now they're basically, Sorella Braverman's leaning in the idea. Firstly, she said, well, on gay refugees, as, you know, as if what will happen is we'll be uh, in, flooded with gay refugees because of the number of countries where be, they're, they're dis gay people are discriminated against and that's not sufficient grounds to claim asylum. And now she's saying that gay refugees are pretending to be gay when this government is trying to deport people who are gay to homophobic countries. It's absolutely beyond belief. As David Bratter says, I used to think that Bravham was trying to copy Pretty Patel, but somehow she's managed to be much worse. The Tories are evil. She is worse than Pretty Patel. And what she's doing, actually, her rhetoric yesterday was just, just far-right stuff. Why It was great replacement theory type stuff. Um, and it was, you know, about... Um, she was talking about... Um, how migrants are an existential threat to Western civilization. Um, talking about the number of children being born to foreign-born mothers. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's the sort of rhetoric you expect from far-right demagogues. And what is happening, and GB News is all linked to this, is the 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 right is radicalizing in America and in Britain. It's being transformed in, and culture wars are used as crude, blunt instruments to make that happen. Um, and it's becoming, you know, a the old centre-right is just metamorphosizing into a far-right project. It's happened in Hungary, overtly. It's happened in the United States, and it is happening here. And Sorella Braverman is it, the very advanced guard of that. I mean, to be clear about that. Right. Um, I'm going to end it there. Um, I realise what I've done. I Normally, we have a jingle to take us out, but I seem to have accidentally deleted it um, <laughs> whilst I was doing this. Um, which isn't great. So it's going to be an abrupt sign off. Um, so apologies for that. Thanks everyone for signing in. Do make sure uh, you uh, like, press like and subscribe, P hit the subscriber bell because then you'll get notifications. We've got lots of interviews to come. I'm going to interview tomorrow, Laura Bates, who launched the Everyday Sexism Project. She's brilliant. I actually traveled to with the British Council to Mexico back in 2015. Anyway, she's a, a brilliant writer on people will be aware of everyday sexism, I'm sure. But I wanted to talk about that. I'll leave a link, um, a thing on Patreon to see if anyone wants to ask any questions about that. Um, unlike GB News, we are not funded by multimillionaires. We are funded by you. And that's how we do all these videos and subtitle them and do Facebook and Instagram and... Um, put these shows together, even though at the moment I'm flying blind, my, that, which is my fault. I won't go into that. Um, we are doing Conservative Party Conference uh, this week, next week. So we're going to Conservative Party Conference um, on Monday. Well, I think we can have fun, aren't we? We're going to have fun there. Um, I'll do on Patreon. I will also pop a um, do a post. So I'll ask you for suggestions 
how you'd like us to approach that. We will be running after conservative politicians, so I'd like to know what questions you'd like me to put to conservative politicians. What we normally do is run after the cabinet and advisors try and literally drive me out of the way. <laughs> I'm surprised they gave me a pass, but I'm happy about it. Um, so we're going to have fun there at Conservative Party Conference. Um, so I will be interested to um, hear your thoughts on that. Uh, thank you to David Browater and Tad Campwell and Mr. 27. Um, yes, click like and subscribe. And I'm going to end this very abruptly. We normally have the jingle. I want to do a new jingle. And I was messing around with it and then messed it up by deleting it. But I'll temporarily put it back and we'll just we'll get, we'll just paint a different jingle because some people thought it looked like a daytime daytime TV show. Um, which, you know, I guess I don't have a problem with, but we're not. Um, okay. Thanks to the brilliant guest. Thanks to Dahlia um, and, and to the Chumbawamba's finest, um, Alice, and also to all of you. And we've got loads of interviews and stuff to come. So do bear with us. All right. Lots of love. Here's the abrupt sign off. Are you ready for everyone? I'm just going to vanish. Lots of love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.